extra, extra, the Hello and welcome uh, to another edition of Titans Extra. I'm Parv and rather like Gordon Soley in a smoky 70s Florida studio, I am giving you this introduction via the wonders of post-production. So you're about to listen to a conversation between myself, Dylan Hales and Kelly. Um, and if you remember last time, we looked at uh, you know several NWA promotions and we're going to pick up where we left off, uh, looking at some of the other, some of the smaller, I guess, NWA promotions uh, that were active in 1981. And you're about to join us in the media res, as it were, uh, in the discussion of Memphis. So, uh, it's CWA then, Memphis. Um, any guesses who wrestled the most that year, without looking? <laughs> them well uh, i'm looking i'm looking at the sheet so you can't <laughs> yeah i would have guessed lawler but uh... yeah you you guessed lawler but it's uh it's bill dundee 199 dream machine 188 jerry lawler coco beware zeb coulter dutch mantel <laughs> sorry i just realized what i said there yeah dutch mantel um tojo yamamoto tommy rich uh johnny rich sorry uh danny davis steve kern uh anita fuchi sunny king sunny king one of my least favorite managers i have to say uh eddie gilbert um jimmy hart jimmy hart had 75 matches oh yeah he worked a lot really in matches yes absolutely right okay 75 matches for jimmy hart mouth of the south Ricky Morton was there, Gypsy Joe, Ricky Gibson, Honky Tonk Man, um, Robert Gibson. Um, sorry about some of this being anachronistic, but uh, it's just the way the database, just the way the database names them, right? Um, Jimmy Valiant was there, Uncle Elmer was there, um, Stan Lane, uh, yeah, various others, Chick Donovan, uh, Chief Thundercloud, Austin Idol. And uh, yeah, Austin Idol, yeah, and he he's been on a couple. He worked uh, about the same amount of matches for Georgia, according to these stats. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't quite believe that. Um, and uh, Billy Robinson, uh, Brutus Beefcake, last name on the list. So, um, yes, Memphis Kelly. Um, well, I mean, it's maybe not the most stacked as far as um, big names go, but I'm, I'm, you know, and I've seen a lot of. 1981 Memphis, and it's probably, you know, near the top of being the most enjoyable wrestling at the time, as Memphis would always be throughout the years. Um, Billy Robinson's an interesting name because I, I know I've definitely never seen a Billy Robinson versus Jerry Lawler match, which uh, would be interesting on paper anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, these, this was, you know, these guys were all in their prime Lawler, Dundee. Um, Dutch Mantel. So hairy. Yes. <laughs> and so hairy. Um, Jimmy Hart was fantastic at this time. 
How good um, was Coco Beware in 1981? Like very cold, good. Was he the two cold Scorpio of his day? Is that for your two overrated? <laughs> uh, he, he was quite good, actually, during that time frame. Yeah, yeah, he was a very good wrestler at that point. I always hear about that scaffold match. Yeah. And 1981 was, um, of course, the year of the famous Tupelo concession stand brawl with Gilbert and Ricky Morton and uh, Onita and Fushi, uh, yeah. which is legendary. Uh, all the mustard, mustard and blood. Um, I, I watched that recently, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the seventy-one nine one uh, with uh, Lawler and Dundee against uh, the uh, Blonde Bombers—is that what they were called? Ferris Latham, and Latham. Latham and Ferris. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one's better because it's it's not as long. I mean, the the Tupelo one goes on, I think, past the point where you're almost just like you just want it to end. Um, so the the seventy-nine one has has brevity going for it. No, I mean they're both good. Um, let's see. Kevin Sullivan uh, was in Memphis in '81. I wonder if he was still working babyface at that point because I, I don't know much about Sullivan. Well, they did. In Memphis at all. They, they did the they did the Georgia Talent Exchange in '81, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And yeah, there's another name. Lawler wrestled in Georgia quite often over the years. Um, that didn't make the the Georgia list. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this. Like I said, this would be this is great TV. Um, you know, they always got the most out of the guys that they had in Memphis for sure. Your thoughts, Dylan? Uh, again, I'm I'm going to bring the controversy here. Actually, I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say two things. The first thing is, there's one really important person whose name isn't on the list. Yeah, 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 right, right. And and, and that. That's Lance Russell because Lance, oh, Lance Russell, Russell. <laughs> Lance Russell was as integral to that promotion as anybody else, including Lawler. Um, sure. And more so, I mean, I think Lance Russell's the greatest announcer of all time. I actually don't even think it's that close. I don't even think anybody's in the universe that he's in as an announcer. Um, okay. And I, you know, I think you sure you can't count him for the purposes of what we're doing. But I think that's an important thing to note. And that's not a knock on Soli, who I, I know a lot of people love, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and was a great announcer in his own right. I just don't think he was at the level of Lance Russell in terms of importance to the promotion. Oh, um, I, 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 I don't know, Dylan. I mean, it's like, he seems every bit as integral to Florida, certainly, as Russell I, was. I just completely disagree with that. And, and I'll tell you why. Lance Russell was a guy that had so much power that he could leave a promotion, go with a rival promoter, and basically make the promotion with somebody else on his back. He could get right. TV stations to build around him as the broadcast star. Gordon Stoley, as, as big as a, a, a name as he was, I don't think there's any way Soley could have done that. Not, 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 and that's not, that's not even a knock on Soley. It speaks to the unique connection that Lance Russell had with the Memphis media culture um, and things of that nature. Um, I also think many, I also think he had a tougher job than Soli, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Russell had to make sense out of the crazy as shit Memphis gimmicks and craziness that was going on, whereas Soli's job was basically to call a traditional wrestling show. Um, right. was, was there some over-the-top stuff that happened? Yes, and when it did happen, it became a bigger deal because Gordon was really good about freaking out <laughs> for it because he saw it so rarely. But Russell had to be the straight man to a circus, <laughs> you know, and right. that is a very hard job. I, like, you know, I, I often wonder 
if Memphis TV would be seen as fondly as it often, because most people, you know, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people who actually have watched Memphis TV regard it as the best wrestling TV show ever in, in terms of episodic quality and delivering on interesting, fun angles and whatnot from a week-to-week basis. I often wonder if Lance isn't there, do we have? does it have that reputation? I, I don't know. You know, I mean... I think he was the glue that held things together. And, and it's, again, it's not a knock on Soli, and, and I think Soli was super important because he was really good about getting over big big angles and the severity of things and whatnot. But I, I, I can't rate him at the level of Russell. I just can't. Do you think that diehard like Georgia fans or diehard guys from the Florida area would really go to bat for, for Soli in an argument like that, though? Um, I, think, I think the answer to that is yes, but I think... The, the difference is that I, I think their argument would basically be Gordon brought class and professionalism. He called it like a real sport. He had an, he, you know, because these are the arguments I always hear, you know. Yeah. Uh, he he, ha, he ha, had an integrity and a credibility. And I, in no way am I denigrating that and saying that's, that's not important. And for those territories, it may have been absolutely paramount. But I think it's a much easier job. Than, than the job that Lance Russell had. That that would be, I mean, in terms of level of difficulty, I think Lance Russell's job was much more difficult. And I think when you look at this roster, you look at these guys, and you if you're if you're if you haven't seen a lot of Memphis, you might look at these guys and say, okay, this is a decent roster, but it's really not all that. So now there's some fairly bangs here and there. You know, there's a lot of mid carters that are identifiable, but I don't really care about them. You know, but but in terms of delivering for a Memphis audience, if that was your standard, okay, mm-hmm. um, I think you could argue this is a nine or ten. Now, I I I I, I, I say that uh, knowing that it's it's controversial and it's in uh, a large part based on my own biases because I'm a huge fan of Memphis wrestling, but I really do think. When you look at this roster, you know, you got Lawler, Dundee, and Dutch, uh, who the first half of the 80s were really the biggest guys uh, of relevance. You got uh, a lot of hot young baby faces that you can plug in a variety of roles, from Ricky Morton to Eddie Gilbert um, to Steve Kern when he was around. Uh, Tommy Rich was there in an interesting role in 81. Jimmy Valiant was a very valuable player there, much more valuable in Memphis than he was a lot of other places. Uh, Coco Ware was valuable. Tojo Yamamoto was sort of your your uh, your Johnny Weaver of, of the Memphis territory, so to speak. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think they got really good use out of their Japanese guys that they did use. Um, I, I'm not saying I, I, I'm ranking it a nine or a ten, mind you, but I'm I'm saying if you if you're looking solely from the perspective of relevance to the territory, if you're not looking at big names, if you're not looking at any of that, I think you really can make the case that this is a nine or ten. I really I really do. Right. They're they're with they're winning your made the best use of their talent award, essentially, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'd say they're very very strong candidates for that. Sure. Okay. Um, oh, before I pass on to Kelly, uh, on the on the Lance Russell point, uh, given that this is tightened, what about Vince? Because Vince was Vince is rather an underrated. I I think he's underrated in his pre eighty three role as the host of that show. 
I like Vince as an announcer. I yeah, do. I, I've all, I've actually always liked Vince as an announcer. Um, is Vince Gordon solely? No. Is he Lance Russell? No. Um, right. But okay. by the same co- token, he's not Lee Marshall either. <laughs> but was was he not also important to as the face, as the kind of host of that promotion uh, like, I th- to that audience? I think he I think he certainly had value. Um, uh, yeah. Do I think do, were, would people be calling up the switchboards uh, if if Vince McMahon got taken up TV and asking for their for their Vince back like they did with no. Gordon Soley on Black Saturday? No. no. Would they? You know, would, would, would programming directors change their entire network station and how they organize things to accommodate <laughs> them like they did Vince Russell? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, yeah. But he had value, sure. Yeah, I think early 80s Vince is someone that is more valuable in hindsight than he was at the time when you can really look back and analyze how he commentated and that, you know, he was so great at at just getting everything over. I mean, he he was just technically um, he hit all the the good spots for an announcer, I think, Um, but but not someone at the time that I don't think would have been finishing in, you know, top five polls of announcers necessarily. Sure. But who wore the best yellow jacket? <laughs> well, that's true. We got we got to give a man his due. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, yeah, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, as far as um, a name not uh, on the list from Memphis goes, that was pretty uh, integral to the territory that year. Uh, Terry Funk. Yep. Um, the famous, of course, empty arena match with Jerry Lawler was in 1981. And um, they also had um, the match before that at the Mid-South Coliseum that set it up is a very, very, very good match, too. Um, so there's another name you could throw in. Dory Funk uh, played a role in that feud, too, as being sort of the uh, the last challenge uh, Lawler faced before getting to the Barry sort of deal. Yeah, and, and I actually uh, I actually really like that match. I, I think I gave it an A- minus in my... Uh... I, I think that's one of Dory's better matches ever, that match against Lawler. Yeah. If it's the one I'm thinking of from yeah. issue one. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a terrific brawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I I mean, I love Memphis wrestling, just uh, like Bill and like a lot of people do, of course. Um, so as a ranking, I would. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to go seven, I think. Memphis. Okay. So, so for you, this Memphis roster is as good as the Florida one. Well, well, like I said, with Florida, they had those names. I mean, Dusty and the Assassin, and they had the Funks too, and the Briscoes. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I'm thinking maybe a bit higher. I'm gonna stick with seven. Dylan, what's your thought? Well, I think if you it, it depends on if how you look at it. If you're looking at it from a kayfabe perspective or like a superstardom perspective, I think Memphis is probably maybe a four um, if you're being truthful. Uh, but if you're looking at it from a value, you know, regional value to the region, filling the key slots that you need to have an effective promotion for the territory that you're in. Like I said, I think it's a nine or a ten. So you kind of split the difference, and I think you get it. I, 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 you know, for the purposes of this, you split the difference, and I think you hit maybe like a seven. Yeah, I'd say it's a seven. Yeah, what mm. Dylan said. <laughs> now, here's what, here's my take on this, okay? And uh, I mean, I have, I've watched a, a fair, fair bit of Memphis, but I haven't watched the week-to-week TV. I have to make that 
caveat i'm only watching the the best matches and angles i guess from the from the promotion um and i and i do kind of like to watch the the full kind of tv runs as i get older like i i think i prefer watching wrestling that way but um my thought is if you give Jarrett um his pick if you say right here are all the possible guys you could have do you want to stick with this roster or do you want to bring in some names from elsewhere free of charge he's going to be significantly shaking this up if he had his run of the green um and for that reason <laughs> whereas you know if you get if you gave georgia the same if you gave uh the, you know the georgia territory the same choice do you want to stick with uh, you know freebirds resting to tommy rich dbrc or do you want to switch up and pick some other guys now hold I'm on not, now are, yeah, you, so. are you saying that Jarrett would have thrown out lawler no, not the, no, absolutely, no, 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 <laughs> not Lawler, no, not Lawler, not Lawler, but let's say if you could say, right, you can keep Lawler, you can keep Dundee, okay, keep those two, what do you want to do with the rest of these guys, do you want to, do you want to keep them all around, or should we, you know, should we change up and bring in some, I don't know, I, I think that he would have made, if he, if he'd had his, if he was given that choice, I reckon he may have, he would probably have made more, more changes than, than a seven would would acknowledge. <laughs> um, so on that basis, I'm going to say, um, what did I give? Uh, did I give anyone a six yet? You, you, no. you, you, you struggled with Florida over a six, and then you, but we, we convinced you on a seven. So. On the basis okay, that yeah. Florida is a seven, Memphis is a six, and that that is even building in all the stuff that you guys are saying. Because without it, I I would have given it you know four or something. <laughs> so six six for me for, for Memphis. Um, all right, mo- moving on then uh, because we're, there's world class now, uh, Texas, um, and uh, now this is one of the territories that we clearly have incomplete data for because Tim Brooks is the top name and he's only got 42 matches, um, whereas all of the other top names have got you know almost 200 matches. So clearly um we don't have all of the cards um other names uh, include the great kabuki uh, obviously carrie and david von eric uh jesse barr uh b brian blair uh armand hussein who's that uh carlos zabata kevin von eric bruiser brody of course uh the spoiler uh jose lothario uh raul Mata had 14 matches for uh, world class that year Gino Hernandez I think you'd have to mention um, King Kong Bundy was around Chief White Cloud Billy Two Eagles Billy Two Eagles uh, is awesome awesome wrestling um, who else do we have uh, Little Tokyo had some appearances Harley Race has uh, obviously as the champ Ernie Ladd's got a couple of appearances um, Mil Mascaris uh, has got an appearance um as he does for many of these promotions. So, yes, uh, world-class. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, my first impression of, uh, of this list of names, not very impressive. Um, Dylan. Uh, thank God. I mean, look, people always talk about how the, the, the Von Erics were this super hot thing in Texas. And I think what this shows you more than anything is how important the Freebirds were to the Von Erics yeah. being that super hot thing in Texas. I've always made that argument. 
um, and, and it pisses off a lot of longtime fans. And don't get me wrong, the Von Erichs were huge stars at their peak, but without the Freebirds, they never get to that level, ever. Um, because when you're wrestling, you know, fucking Bill Irwin, you know, and and, uh, and King Kong Bundy, who I like, and who was actually good at this time period, in my opinion, but that that is a huge drop off from from. Uh, uh, Buddy and Michael and Terry. I mean, it's not even in the yeah. same universe. And right. uh, and on top of that, you know, there's other not- notable names. When you th- when I think of world class, the names I think of are the Von Erichs, the Freebirds, and gentlemen Chris Adams. When I think of '80s world class, well, Chris yeah. Adams isn't there yet either. <laughs> so you know, because he's really the other hot babysitter from that era. So, you know, you look at this. I, I think this roster is absolutely dire. I think this is a nightmare of a roster, to be honest with you. And, yeah, we don't, we don't, we have incomplete data, but you can tell who was a regular just by, just by how often they show up. You, you can tell that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with that understanding, you look at this roster, and, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I would say this is a substantially worse roster than people would realize, like if they were just off the cuff, oh, 1981 world class. I think they would be absolutely blown away by how shitty this roster is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was very, very unimpressive. But I, I just want to play, play devil's advocate a second, though, which is that, it, right, okay. So, I mean, we, we've, all, we've all seen uh, some world class uh, as well. Um, do you ha- Does Memphis get the benefit of the fact that you you know, for example, how they used Eddie Gilbert that year, or that you know how they used uh, Ricky Morton. Is there any chance that like a Jesse Barr or an Al, Al Madrill or even like Great Kabuki is a better name than you may give it credit for? Well, let me any let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of somebody who probably is a better name that you would look at. Jose right. Lothario. Jose Lothario probably had some value in Texas in 1981. Yes, he was older. But he's a Latin star. He's a guy that's been around for a long time. You've all respected. Jose Lothario in 1981 probably has more value than you would think looking at his name on a list in 2014. Okay? Right. But Jose Lothario was old. He was not particularly athletic anymore. Uh, He was not a dynamic performer at that point in his career. This isn't a knock on the guy. Uh, It's just the truth. Whereas... Rick Morton wasn't old, <laughs> you know. Ricky Gibson wasn't, you know. He was these guys. I think that's that's kind of the difference is you can you can look at these. Maybe they and maybe we don't know, but I do know this: Texas in 1981 was not doing that good a business. No. Uh, right. So so you combine that with the names themselves, with you know the sort of age of the names, because a lot of these guys are are. Um, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but a, a couple of guys who you would maybe identify as reasonably big stars, like, for example, Spoiler and Jose Lothario, were, were older. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think suddenly you start to see a, a picture emerge where it's like even the things that could potentially be bigger positives than they might initially look, I'm not so sure that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just looking. Armand Hussein was in his 50s. In, uh, he started wrestling in 1959. So, yeah. uh, like, uh, it's, okay, it's not looking, it's not looking great. Kelly, what was your impression? Well, yeah, I mean, going into this, I, you know, I knew World Class in 1981 was kind of a struggling promotion. I mean, 1981 is kind of an interesting year for them because 
that is the year that world class TV show debuted, which eventually does, you know, revolutionize wrestling in a lot of ways with the different camera angles and the different presentation. But on the other hand, in 1981, uh, Fritz von Erich had his retirement match uh, at Texas Stadium, and I believe they only drew maybe five, six thousand in a football stadium. That would, of course, host the famous uh, Parade of Champions with uh, Kerry von Erich of Flair and do, I don't know, what was it, about 32,000 uh, at their peak there. Um, the names definitely um, aren't very impressive, especially compared to the rosters we've gone over before. Um, the great Kabuki, and I don't know a ton about his drawing power, other than Gary Hart in his book attests that, you know, he was quite the sensation when he debuted, and I believe this was around that time. Where, I was about to say, uh, was, was Killer Tim Brooks really top? Like, cause they were both managed by Gary Hart, right? Uh, right. Tim, Tim, Bro- Tim Brooks was a he was a he was a top level guy for that yeah. era in that place. Yeah, he was yeah. really that top he, heel. Well, he, he might he have was, been. He was he was in the top tier. Him and Bundy yeah. was a big uh, guy in '81 for them. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I'm telling you. It's a it's a fucking cesspool, man. I mean, it's not, it's not a good <laughs> roster. I, there's there's no way no. you can spin it. I mean, this isn't like Memphis where you could say, and, and in a way, I even agree with you, Parv, that you can say, well, maybe they would have they would have traded out some guys here and there, you know. Like I, I think you, I they, I don't think Jerry Jarrett would have traded out nearly as many guys as maybe you think he would have. But I, I understand your argument with world class. Yeah. I mean, you know. Fritz, you, 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 if you tell him, can you trade out these guys? I mean, you're dumping the whole fucking roster other than his kids. I mean, you're not keeping anybody. Uh, we, we, he probably, he probably, uh, Brody would still have come in for those twenty matches sure. or whatever as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you, you're pretty, you're pretty much. Um, what were you saying about Kabuki, uh, uh, Kelly? Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Oh, that's my... all right. Well, just going back to Gary Hart's book that I uh, read a few years back, where, you know, he goes into. Quite a, and he was the great Kabuki's manager. And Hart, I believe, was pretty heavily involved in the booking at this time, too. Um, if yeah. not now, he would be very shortly. And he, I mean, he puts over the, the Kabuki gimmick as being, you know, revolutionary because it was like the next step in, in the Japanese heel. It wasn't the, the, the sneaky, salt-throwing uh, Japanese heel that had been going since in the 1950s or whatever. The uh, great Kabuki was like a, a you know more advanced gimmick, a different, a darker uh, sort of gimmick. So, I mean, they had that going for them, but beyond that, you know, it's just it's it's a territory that was desperately in need of star power at yeah, the time. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but uh, you mentioned the old Japanese gimmicks. I watched um, Chief J. Strongbow versus uh, Mr. Fuji from the 70s. Yeah, the 17 minutes at MSG is fucking dire. Just, a, just abysmal, you know, just the worst, like, comedy shtick. Tet- like, so I'll give the if you can give the Kabuki uh, credit for moving them beyond that, then again thumbs up but i bet you anything he was working 10 minute nerve holds in 1981 no problem uh, I, well I, I know he was working nerve holds in 1981 because it was in 1982 based on the team we got. yeah uh, i'm not a fan of kabuki so that kind of uh, <laughs> biases me against uh, him as but if he's their top uh, if he's their top heel or if tim brooks is their top heel they're not doing well so 
Uh, let's do the ratings then. I think uh, it, we, there's value in these numbers. I'm going to stick with it. Kelly, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, four. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with two. I think this Ooh. is such a terrible roster that you, you and, and keep in mind this was before the Von Erich boys were really completely proven. Yes, they were stars. Yes, they were getting bookings in other places, St. Louis, places like that. But this was before they'd really taken off. I, you know, yeah. uh, I guess I mean you're when the next best guy after after the Von Erichs and maybe Brody, who was really a, a, a traveling. When the next best guys are people like Kabuki and Alan Adrill and Jose Lothario, I mean, that's a two. You know, I can't defend even a three for that. For all matters, it has some name value. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree Dylan. It's, uh, it's a poor roster. I was thinking about one, but two, two. Wow. I, I can't, I can't go one because there's one coming up that, that, that I think is the absolute benchmark for shit. So we, I, I, although that's that'll be a fun debate when we get to that because I, I'm okay. – Okay, well, the very next, uh, I think, I think you may have, you may have been waiting for this, Dylan, because this is right in your wheelhouse. Pacific Northwest, Portland. All right. Is uh, another, you know, another cornerstone of the NWA. Don Owen. Been around forever. So, uh, well, I mean, obviously, who would you guess was the top name on the list for mm-hmm. Portland? <laughs> Synonymous with the territory, of course. Buddy Rose, 161. Matt Bourne had 158 matches. Brett Sawyer, 132. Stan Stasiak was there. Rip Oliver. Fidel uh, Sierra was there. Buzz Sawyer. He got around in 1981. Um, yep. Steve Regal was there. Not that Steve Regal, but the, 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 the electricity. The, the uh, shittiest wrestler of all time, Steve Regal. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that, <laughs> that. Um, which is, I mean, that match from AWA is one of the worst ever. Um, Awful. Ice, Iceman Parsons was there. Jay Youngblood. Uh, Joe Ventura. Is the, That's not Jesse, right? No. Uh, no. Uh, no, okay. Jesse was there in the late 70s. That's right. Okay. Our, uh, Chief White Cloud, Mike Masters, Art Cruz, Chris Cop, Magnum T, a young Magnum TA. Young Magnum TA. What was, what, what was he called in uh, 1981? Was he Terry called Allen. Terry I, Terry Allen. Allen. I believe he were uh, yeah up there is Terry Allen. I want to say he did. Uh, um, Gene uh, Knitsky was uh, had eighteen matches there. Um, sure. you'd, you'd expect to see him on the St. Louis list, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andre, of course, came in for a few dates. Um, so I mean, we obviously have better data for you know the, the the data for Portland seems as good as the data that we have for Crockett and elsewhere. Um, Ed uh, Wiskowski only had uh, four matches. Which it, me it, was in, it was it was it was in between big runs for him, you know. And and right. you know, I mean, I'll, I'll let Ke- Kelly needs to go first this round because I'm going to rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you might have. Uh, all right, uh, Kelly. Yeah, well, I mean, I love uh, Portland uh, for sure. I'm not too terribly familiar with '81 Portland. I've seen uh, most of the Portland I've watched is from the '79 '80 years i've dipped a bit into 81 but i mean i love the 79 80 stuff uh really strong um main events with buddy of course um so this would be one that you know your casual wrestling fan would would look at this list and probably give it a one um right based on the the quote-unquote star power of the names in their eyes but 
I mean, you got a lot of good talent here. Uh, Buddy, one of the all-time greats. Matt Bourne was pretty solid. Brett Sawyer was actually uh, pretty good at the time, or at least he had a, a one super match with Ric Flair uh, coming up in about a year from now, 1982, I believe. Uh, Stan Stasiak, well, God, he was not not <laughs> long for the ring at this point. Um, but, I mean, he was a big star in Portland. <laughs> Yeah, he was getting quite ancient. Imagine sitting through those. <laughs> um, Luthez apparently had one match in Portland in 1981, uh, according to this list, which is somewhat the, interesting. The, the, the funniest thing about that area of that list is uh, the appearance of males. Males, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Nick, I thought Vince invented that gimmick. I guess not. <laughs> nails and Luthez. Two guys that was the match. A couple of places up, Dean Ho uh, makes his appearance. Yeah. Uh, well, Ho was a big Portland guy, um, and but he this was the very end of, of Ho's career right here. Um, I don't believe he went much beyond 1981. Andre the Giant, seven matches. Um, one of the lost uh, things from the TV, apparently, is, I mean, there's a lot of TV available, almost weekly TV available. But apparently uh, the week where Andre and Buddy wrestled on TV is not available, which sucks because that could have been a really interesting match to watch between those two guys. Um, Rocky Johnson. I mean, they had uh, a lot of good guys here. Uh, Jay Youngblood was very good at the time. Buzz Sawyer. Uh, Iceman Parsons. I haven't seen a lot of them from this era, but... uh, Really green. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a solid. How would I put this? It's kind of like Memphis, right? It's 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 the the homesteader type guys without you know the big national names, but I mean, like Memphis, they got a lot out of these names and and, and you know had a lot of entertaining TV from this time for sure. Uh, Dylan, um, I think this is actually kind of an interesting year to look at Portland because it's in between two two periods where I think their roster was actually much stronger than people would realize. Because in '79 and '80, when you had guys like Piper, Rick Martel, Ed Wyskowski, folks like that, yeah. it, 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 in many ways it was a stronger roster. Um, because a lot of these other names that sort of fill this out that I would consider some of the better guys from this list were still there too. You know, people like uh, uh, like Rip Oliver, for example. Uh, and then again, when you get to 82, 83, that's when you see Kurt Hennig come in and the Dynamite Kids. So it, it's, it's, it, this is kind of mushed in between two periods. I th- I've said this actually before uh, that I think 81 is really the weakest Portland year in terms of uh, guys that Buddy can really have a great match with. Um, I've made that point uh, many times, actually. Um, having said that, uh, this really is not a bad roster. Uh, it, it, it's not. It's not a. It's, I, I can't call it a good roster in, in full. And to be completely honest, what, what I think this tells you more than anything, though, is if you look at this, it shows you the genius of Buddy Rose because this guy did not have a Bill Dundee. The closest thing to a, you know, it wasn't like Lawler, we had Bill Dundee or Flair at Steamboat or, you know, whoever. His his second, like, his most consistent other was was Rip Oliver. And I think Rip Oliver's a good, underrated wrestler. Um, I, I, I think he was a very strong star 
for, for up there, uh, you know, and he had a lot of value up there. But the gap between Rip Oliver and Bill Dundee or Rip Oliver and Ricky Steamboat, just to take dudes, I mean, or Rip Oliver and the Freebirds, if you want to look at like the Freebirds versus the Von Erichs type deal. I mean, it's so large. <laughs> I mean, it, it is it is so large. It is a difference in, uh, you know, uh, in degree that is so different that it is, in fact, the difference in kind. There, there is there. You can't even really compare it. So to me, the big takeaway when you look at this is, at how amazing Buddy is because he did have a lot of really one, and there's really not a whole lot of. I mean, there are almost everybody on this roster is either old near the end of their run, which would be guys like Stan Stasiak or, or uh, 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 Tony Bourne, for example. Um, green is grass, which would be young Magnum TA, uh, Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, Iceman Parsons, who was, who was solid but really young. Or guys who just were in for brief stops. I mean, that's basically looking at here. Uh, I should note that Jonathan Boyd was a really big star and a, a very good rival for Buddy during this year too. He's somebody that we kind of didn't didn't touch on, and was a very good promo uh, uh, and, and something of, of a star in a lot of territories. Uh, honestly, um, uh, you know, the other thing of note is that Fidel Sierra wrestled as the assassin up in up in Portland and was actually very over and a meaningful star. He was, you know just kind of a, mm-hmm. a fodder guy mm-hmm. um, but uh, that meaningful star was the cuban assassin yes and, you know what that sounds like to anyone <laughs> well, well you know but i mean I, I get it but if you by the same token um you know this, if johnny walker or whatever you know would have been a joke as a meaningful star before he put on the hood as mr wrestling too you know what i mean like right. like okay. so it it, it, it you, you can't Honestly, looking at this roster, though, it's not a good roster, or, or, or it's not a great roster. It's a okay roster that you can make do with. I don't think it's at the level of the Memphis roster. I don't even think it's close to at the level of the Memphis roster, even relative to the promotion. Uh, mm. But the one, the one real thing that it does have is it has a guy who's an extremely overheel, and you can plug almost anybody in as long as they have some name value or some athleticism. And a lot of these guys have one or the other. So uh, it, it's not quite as dire as it may look on first glance. Now, in terms of the number rating, uh, Dylan, I'm going to ask you to give two. Rate it with Buddy and rate it without Buddy. Uh, so With yeah. Buddy. I mean, if, if I've got it with Buddy, I still have to rank it like at a four. Because I, I, I don't... It, it's... It's a middling to slightly below average roster with Buddy, I think. Uh, whereas, you know, the the roster the year before, I think you could argue it would be maybe a six or even a borderline seven with Buddy. Um, without Buddy, I think this is this is be a one or a two. I mean, it it, it is it's pretty dire without him. Okay, so so you're saying Buddy basically adds two or three points on his own yes and 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 here's the reason why the reason why is because all buddy needed was one of two things somebody with a name and some relevance like a stan stasiak or rocky johnson or a relatively good-looking fiery baby face that that he could he could uh, work opposite and do compelling things with uh whether it be a jay young blood uh, or Brett Sawyer, 
he, he didn't necessarily need a top guy to get those guys over as the top guys because those guys got huge reactions. I mean, they had value in that promotion. Uh, but if you know if Rip Oliver was your top heel, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, so, so your your final rating is four. Four, yes. Dylan uh, Kelly. Well, yeah, I guess I probably rank world class a little high. Uh, I'm not good <laughs> at ranking things. I never rank matches, or I never get stars <laughs> to matches. So there's a reason for that. Um, so let's see. You can fix Texas retroactively if you'd like, Kelly. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I probably should, because yeah, Portland seems like um, it's got to be higher than world class, of course. So it can't be a four. Um, and six seems too high, so I'll go with five for Portland. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a two. And here's why. <laughs> Invite Jerry Jarrett down. Who do you want from the roster? Who who's, who's he going to take? Invite any other promoter down. Who are they going to take from the roster? I, I don't think uh, they're going to take anybody. No, I think they. I think Matt Bourne and Brett Youngblood would have been seen as prospects. Um, Youngblood would have been seen as somebody, and Iceman Parsons would have been seen as somebody. And in fact. Yeah. In fact, I'll spin this a little bit, Parvin. I'll say this: right. uh, Portland's historic role was the place where promoters came in and said, "All right, who the hell do we want?" Yeah, no, and I was going to say. Came from there, so I was going to I was going to say this exactly. Uh, do you have the concept in uh, U.S. sports of a, of a feeder club? Like you know, uh, like the like like the big football teams, they'll set up a feeder team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have Who's minor league. We have minor league sports in the United States. Minor league. Or, or, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, my impression of Portland is it's kind of like a feeder promotion, but we're looking at a roster that had just fed all of like it, they just had their talent plucked. If that makes sense. Oh like, no, no, that's yeah, what it I felt mean, like. If you look at eight, if you look at seventy nine eighty, and then look at eighty two eighty three, and then look at this, there is a it's a clear difference in my opinion. I, I think it's a noticeable difference. Both weekly TV, I think, is eighty two eighty three and seventy nine eighty. And I think the roster is better, you know, on the, on the ends. So I don't, I can't disagree okay. with that. Yeah, I, I'm interested in Jay Youngblood working 70 matches there and 130 odd matches in in Crockett. That's a hell of a trip. <laughs> like, I'm guessing he wasn't doing those two things at the same time. No, um, no, no. He was a buddy. <laughs> he was a buddy. Well, actually, that was his. He was probably. He was probably Buddy's most consistent rival that year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, pure, they worked As a pure baby so. face. Yeah. So Crockett then did essentially steal him as Steamboat's partner, right? Yeah. No, they had already I... been um, partners. No, 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 yeah, yeah. They, they, they've been partners before. And, right. And uh, the, the, the guy who got, the closest guy, I would say, of the guys on this list to actually get plucked, because Bourne got moved around a little bit later, but I think he would have left anyway. I think would be Iceman Parsons because Parsons ends up in Texas shortly after this. This was his, right. and he was a and he was a star there. Uh, okay. And of course, Matt, you could argue Magnum PA too, I suppose. Yeah, Magnum. Okay, but Magnum's pretty young here in '81, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, <laughs> Central States. Uh, Eighty-eight matches. Bulldog Bob Brown. Eighty-eight matches. Rufus R. Jones. Buzz Tyler, J.J. Dillon, Butch Reed, 
Sonny Myers, uh, cousin Luke. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how I wonder how many um, air miles cousin Luke racked up in 1981. <laughs> he must have been on the. Uh, we talked about that last time. Um, yeah, he must have been on the Wahoo. You know, 22,000 miles air miles. Uh, Pat O'Connor, 22 matches. Uh, you can see the St. Louis connection. Leo Burke had 17 matches. Um, Harley Race, of course, was around, set 16 matches there. And uh, there are some other people too. Cyclone Negro, Omar Atlas, Dusty Rhodes, Bruiser Brody. Uh, Oliver Humperdinck had five matches. Dewey, Dewey, Dewey Robertson, uh, before he was the missing link. Bobby Jaggers, yeah. Terry yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, there's a few, like, I mean, we're getting down to people who had, like, single digit. Uh, single digits here, but I'm I'm guessing there were more than 88 matches in all of like, I, I'm guessing this is not totally complete this data either. Um, I mean I, I say that I, I have no real concept on how, how many shows Central States. No, neither do I. Right, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest territory in the world, was it? Uh, uh, I don't. It didn't. It, it had. I mean, it ran multiple towns. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, it ran multiple towns. Sure. I mean, it had. A, it was strictly, it had, strictly Missouri, though. Or did it go beyond? Uh, no, it was can, uh, they, Kansas, it was Kansas. Kansas is their big town. It was. Kansas, yeah, I guess Kansas. Yeah. Uh, I believe they ran uh, spot shows in Iowa too. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, I, I I could be wrong on that. I haven't looked at Central State results in a long time, but yeah. <laughs> I, I believe they ran Iowa spot shows too. I mean, I should mention some of the names I didn't like: Mike Hammer, Ron McFarlane. Uh, the legendary, names... the legendary Ron McFarlane. Big star, big star. Yeah, uh, Bob Sweetan. Like, I mean, some of these guys have been around for a long time. Uh, so, okay, um, Dylan, uh, who who do I go to first? Yes, uh, Kelly had first pick on Portland. So, Dylan. Well, first of all, I will say that I really like Rufus Jones, and I don't care what anybody thinks. He, he's my ultimate guilty pleasure wrestler. I actually enjoy Rufus R. Jones matches. I think it's because I'm from South Carolina, and I can't help it. So let me <laughs> let me just get that out of the way. Um, was was he this uh, two cold Scorpio of his day? Uh, I would not say that, unless the double <laughs> punch is the equivalent of the 450 splash, and I, I don't think that's uh, an, an accurate re- uh, way of looking at it. Um, I really stands out with with this roster is it, it's very easy to just pan it and say well this is, this is the dirt worst and and in many ways it is the dirt worst um but this was a much less ambitious territory this was this was a territory that was closer to a portland in scope i portland portland is, is kind of an island unto itself in many ways for a variety of reasons not the least of which is the fact that they had such a weird and unique business model that you really can't compare to anything else in the united states but mm-hmm. central states was um in a way i get the feeling that it was just a way for for guys uh you know just kind of carve out something weekly and then try and get dates on the keel and checker dome shows you know what i mean like yeah it, it doesn't even so I, I think you have to keep that in mind because this was not this was not a promotion that was it was it didn't have the demands of Mid Atlantic and of course some people would say well you know they 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 could have done that if they'd had more stars and if it was better well maybe that's true I don't know um, 
I'm kind of doubtful uh, because of the geography and other things. So, uh, you know, it's it's not a good roster. Um, I, I think the instinct is to say that it's the worst roster. But uh, I, I'll be honest. If you look at it in world class, next to each other, uh, I'm not really sure this is a worse roster than world class. I don't think you could argue it's better. But, you know, is it, it like – Here's what I would say. The Von Erichs and Kabuki um, and maybe even Jose Lothario in the spoiler, you could argue that those guys are all bigger names and have more value than anybody in Central States. I think that's fair. Mm. But at the same time, if you look at Central States, it's, it's not as if Central States was running Dallas. It's not as if they were running huge metropolitan areas. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not as if they were trying to run Texas Stadium. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm, in a way I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I'm a little sympathetic toward Central State from the perspective that I don't think it's fair to judge them in the, by the same, you know, methodology that you would judge a world class. Uh, so then, I'll, you know, right. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, well, I, I've just been looking at Bob Geigel, um because it, obviously this was his uh, this was his promotion, and uh, I, he wasn't the NWA champ, uh, the NWA president in 1981. Jim Crockett Jr. was, but he was before that, and he was after that. So <laughs> Jim Crockett uh, Jr. gets is the president for all of 1981, but for like the three years previous, it's Geigel, and for most of the 80s, it's Geigel. And this is something that's always confused me. Like, why was the promoter of this place the president of the NWA? Well, they had like, points in St. Louis, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a big, uh, big player in St. Louis at that time. I, I mean, I think it's the St. Louis connection. I it's, think the, it's the St. Yeah. Louis thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kind of weird thing. Because, like, okay, and and that's because, like, St. Louis was kind of this kind of satellite city on its own. So it kind of needed to be connected to some sort of office, and this was the office type thing? Yeah, it was kind of a feeder like, office, I guess, for mid-card guys. I mean, and then eventually yeah. that got out of hand, and, you know, Madison got pissed. And... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Bob Brown seems like, I mean, he was one of, like, the weakest uh, kind of top star. Like, I think I, mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think, yeah. He was the, I think he was the weakest top star anywhere including the international places that we're probably not going to get to tonight just because we're going so long but yeah. I, I mean I, I think even if you compare them to like the Maritimes which on paper is a pretty weak roster I'm not even I mean I think Bob Brown's weaker than the top guys there so yeah Kelly I'll, I'll let you say a few things I, I do have a point to make about Bob Brown though well Kelly I'll say as far as head, weakest headliners I'm going to say Al Tomko in uh my oh, home yes. city right now, Vancouver. Yep, yep. You're right. <laughs> it's close, You're though. You're 100% right. It, it, it's just, just a hair worse than, than Bulldog Bob Brown. Um, yeah, this is pretty poor roster. But I think, Dylan, yeah, you kind of outlined it well how, you know, Kansas City is, was never judged, or Central States was never judged on any standards, whereas I guess World Class, you know, has higher standards to attain. And so this is pretty much your average Central States roster. I think things were better, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 
um, for sure, when guys like Harley would have been uh, probably more a part of it than younger. Um, I can't say I know a ton about Central States. I mean, Bob Brown would be, yes, the name that, that comes up uh, next to Harley uh, pretty quickly. But looking at these names, it's mostly guys that uh, on the other territories list were guys we barely even mentioned, right? I mean, there's a lot of repeat names, but ugh. I mean, you got Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race, um, and Race probably worked there a decent amount. Um, well, I mean, they 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 famously have that. Uh, don't they have a match in? Uh, didn't Flair win the title yes. in Kansas? Yes, I was going to say they at least had that going for them in 1981. Yeah, in Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. Uh, I think the most I think the most meaningful guy on the roster is probably Butchery of the regulars. Yeah, he was an up and coming star definitely at that time. I'm not sure how he was positioned in Central States at the time. I guess maybe. Uh, a main eventer. I guess, I'm guessing Bob Brown. Well, I mean, he got, he got he got St. Louis. Yeah, the St. Louis thing. that year. So I mean, I, I would argue that that Butch Reed was probably the most relevant guy that was a consistent full time, well, a, a, a regular guy in Central States in 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the the one point I wanted to make about Bob Brown is that the reality is is that really their top star in Central States was Harley Race. But of course, race was wasn't around that right. much. So Bob Brown is essentially a placeholder, yeah. if that makes any sense. Oh, that's a good a pl- point. Yeah, uh, which is, I mean, it's kind of it's and placeholder is almost kind of like the way I'd think about the whole. It's like the whole territory is a placeholder. It's like, well, you know, let's give Butch Reed something to do while he when he when he's not working when he's not doing the St. Louis shows. You know, it's just like kind of a place where people, you know. I, I don't know. It just it seemed very the whole um, the whole thing is like a strange place. Um, but Leo Burke, seventeen matches, so uh, he got around. Okay, um, so d- let's give a rating then um, to the roster. Anybody going to go lower than two? Kelly. I'm going to go two, just just for maybe Harley's somewhat frequent presence. Uh, that's about it. I'll I'll go one, uh, but I think it's really close with world class. I I, I really see very little little difference. Uh, I I'll go I'll go one only because of the uh, of the fact that there's nobody there's really nobody on that roster aside from Harley and Pat O'Connor who are you know Pat O'Connor's well past his prime. Who you look at, and, and in 1981, you would have, you could have built anything even resembling a a decent promotion around. Uh, what about Leo Burke? I, I just know that you and uh, Dave have talked uh, <laughs> extensively about. Him. I like, I like. Look, I like Leo a lot. He's, he's he's a really good journeyman wrestler, and I think he actually is a guy that probably was underused historically outside of Canada. But Leo Burke was not somebody you could build around in 1981 in Kansas. Sure, and if I didn't mention cousin Luke, also had forty-eight matches there. I don't like. I don't know how what cousin Luke, for all the experience he had, <laughs> you wouldn't bloody know it. If it's that, if it's, if it's, like I, I thought cousin Luke was like literally a guy they got from that. Like I, I didn't know he had any experience at all before that run. But he had. He must have had about five hundred matches in nineteen eighty-one. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's so, the fourth anyway. the fourth Gump of 1981 uh, territorial wrestling. <laughs> well, welcome back to the studio in Florida. It's now time for me to record the outro, and uh, I'm watching Dory Funk Jr. putting on a clinic with Mike Graham, an Australian rule British Empire rules match, um, which actually did take place in 1981. But join us next time on Titans Extra when we'll be discussing the WWF, the AWA, Mid-South and various other outlaw promotions as we tackle the independent companies, uh, that is companies that were not in the NWA uh, but were operational in 1981. Look forward to seeing you again then. Extra, extra, the last of the titans, 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 the last